1: 506 on the Central Coast. It's Wednesday, January 18th, 2024. I'm Dave Congleton. I hope your day is going well. Thanks for joining us. You picked a good hour to check in. Dr. Philip Kissel is with us. Why is he back with us? For a number of reasons. One, I think he's a very interesting guy. He's certainly a very talented guy. A lot of people listening to this show are still alive because of Dr. Kissel. That's one of the many reasons why he was recently selected as the San Luis Obispo County Physician of the Year. I say congratulations, but I'm also wondering what took them so long Anyway, oh, and, and in addition to all this, he's also past president of the California Association of Neurological Surgeons. Dr. Kissel, always a pleasure. Nice to see you.
2: Yes, good to see you, Dave.
1: Thanks for coming in. And congratulations on the award. Thank you. Physician of the year for the entire county.
2: Yes. It was pretty much unexpected, but uh, obviously when I got the phone call, I didn't turn it down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's turned out to be uh, quite a nice honor. Uh, it, it really has a feeling of uh, the, uh, the fellow physicians I've worked with for about 35 years and all the patients I've taken care of in the county are basically saying thank you, and it's a nice thank you. And I appreciate the, the way the society uh, presented the award and uh, the whole um, kind of feelings, positive feelings around it. Well, I'll repeat my thank you. I think
1: uh, some people might remember the story on uh, June 30th. 2018, I was crossing Marsh Street, and I was hit by an SUV. And apparently, because I don't remember any of this, I bounced up on the hood, bounced off the hood, hit my head on the street. 45 minutes later, Dr. Kissel is shining a light in my eyes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I remember that moment as well. Were you on duty that day, or did they bring you in? No, I was on duty.
1: Mm. Was Was that a typical case?
2: Do you even remember me? Oh, of course, Dave. Um, they, yeah, that's pretty typical for what we deal with. Uh, when we're on call, we deal with all the trauma throughout the county, and there's a lot of roadways and a lot of people that bicycle and a lot of pedestrians that get um, unfortunate uh, collisions and things that need our help.
1: Um, when the firefighters who found me came in to visit me a few days later, they said, we didn't think you were going to make it. Because uh-huh. apparently when they got to me on the street, I was babbling incoherently. And my response was, well, why is that any different from any other day?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, the, you know, the EMS, the firemen, they, they have the initial impact of what happened on the highway. In other words, they come up to a scene and there's someone laying on the roadway, possibly, you know, unconscious or, you know, not making a lot of sense. And so they... Uh, immediately kind of draw some bad conclusions that this situation is not reparable.
1: But it makes such a great story.
2: It does, (laughs) it really does. Why did
1: you choose this branch of medicine?
2: Well, that's a good question, David. I don't think we have enough time, but I'll basically say I enjoy thinking about the nervous system and I also enjoy doing surgery. My father was a surgeon and I was Uh fortunate to get into the operating room as a medical student. Same kind of surg- surgeon? No, he's a, he was a general surgeon. Okay. Um, but he got me into the operating room, so I knew I wanted to do something within the world of surgery. And uh, the nervous system was fascinating intellectually, and I knew I would continue to be stimulated and pay attention uh, to that branch of surgery, so that's why I'm in neurosurgery.
1: I'm gonna guess that that's a particularly challenging form of surgery. I know there's heart and they're all challenging, but to actually go into somebody's head.
2: Wow. Well, you know, yes, I can't answer that any other way. But I will say part of the training, which is extensive, it takes us quite some time, almost two decades to get board certified after high school. So we have spent a lot of time understanding what we're doing and the consequences. And we have uh, along the way mentors that help us achieve that goal of being proficient and doing you know as good a possible work as we can
1: well and you've had a direct uh, role in that locally because you've been here since 1989 and as uh, the recent new times article pointed out you've been instrumental in helping improve the uh, medical infrastructure in this county
2: I would like to think so. Yes, and I think you're referring to the connection with the UCSF. I am. Yeah, the San Francisco program. So let's back up a second.
1: What was it like when you came here medically in 1989? And what was it about here that you came here? Were you from here originally?
2: Uh, to remember? No, I was actually uh, Southern California, but okay. I, I went to school up at UC Davis, and uh, a resident, fellow resident of mine, his father was a neurosurgeon here. And so when it came time to decide where to set up shop, he recommended I talk with his dad, Dr. Williams, uh, who has a, who's kind of the patriarch of neurosurgery in this community and a great man. But uh, I lined up with him and, and the rest is history.
1: Yeah, but uh, it was just because of this guy, you're like, okay, I'm gonna go here. This was a professional opportunity. It wasn't the place.
2: Uh, well, it was both, it was both. I was impressed that San Luis Obispo County was ahead of the curve, so to speak, with its level of neurosurgery compared to other communities of this size in California. And part of the reason is we're a little bit of an epicenter for trauma, meaning the quest to grade in days past before they revised it and really made it safe had a lot of uh, motor vehicle accidents, people with head injury, people that needed neurosurgical attention. And that's how they came to a place like Sierra Vista Hospital. And neurosurgeons were there to help. And that sort of gave us a foothold in the community back, well, probably a good 70 years ago. But you
1: wanted more. You wanted more in terms of an infrastructure.
2: Certainly, certainly. I mean, you know, trauma is one thing and you have to be ready to deal with that. But Neurosurgery has much broader implications and as you mentioned, cranial and also spinal. So I did work, I've been working over the years to try and help bring forward that sort of expertise in our hospital.
1: Share the journey with us. How did you go about
2: this? Hard work every day of my life, it's as simple as that. And then when opportunities arise, I think about it in terms of the global picture for the community, not just for my practice. Um, as a, a, a solitary or solo practitioner. So it took a broad kind of thinking and application of that concept to the decision-making over the years, and that, as I mentioned, led towards the uh, ultimate, um, what I would call the uh, the pinnacle of of my uh, projects to try and help the community.
1: But as I recall reading the article, there was the ability to transfer patients.
2: Yeah. Well, so what that is, there is limitations in any uh, neurosurgical practice because neurosurgery entails routine things like herniated discs in the back or neck, problems like that, routine kind of head injuries. But there's a whole subset of problems that are very, very difficult to deal with, and the consequences are significant when someone has a very deep-seated brain tumor or some kind of spine issue that we probably shouldn't handle in a community our size. Despite Mm -hmm. the fact that we can, it's not the best interest of that patient. So recognizing that and wanting to keep our neurosurgical care in this community at the top tier, um, I decided and was fortunate enough to line up the ability to transfer patients pretty much seamlessly to the University of California, San Francisco neurosurgery program which is one of the top in the country. Seamlessly. Well, yeah, seamlessly. Were
1: well, there any struggles, any challenges with this? I mean, you're making it sound pretty easy, doctor.
2: Yeah, well, I think the, the pathway is that uh, myself and the chairman at the department uh, in, in UCSF, Dr. Berger, are friends from way back when, and we've been ha- helping with cases each other for years, decades. So we finally got together and I said to him, why can't we just have a direct transfer to ability to the medical center in San Francisco? He, he liked the idea. He talked to his administrative per, personnel at the University of California there and I talked to the uh, Tenet uh, Corporation which is handling our, our medical center here. And then of course the lawyers had to put their heads together. But ultimately we were able, to, it took a few years, we were able to get this agreement it's a contracted agreement that we can transfer patients directly to their institution which is a pretty big deal because it's oftentimes the universities are busy they have no room they would make patients wait for days or longer when they need to be up there ASAP.
1: And I imagine that their lives saved in the process.
2: Oh absolutely absolutely.
1: All right we're with uh, Dr. Phil Kissel. Neurosurgeon extraordinaire and more to the point, the Slow County Physician of the Year. We have a lot to cover. Your phone call is still to come. We're live, we're local, we're hometown radio. This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show, Slow County Physician of the Year. Dr. Phil Kissel is with us, physician and neurosurgeon since 1989 on the Stolberg line. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Kissel for his compassionate care when my wife suffered severe brain trauma in an automobile accident 25 years ago. You must get a lot of those
2: well i enjoy them i I mean it's nice to get feedback that you're doing the right thing and you're communicating with people and trying to get them through these horrendous problems in their lifetime and uh, i would rather leave someone with a positive uh, sentiment than uh, you know being upset about things
1: what
2: what does it take to do your job what are the skills oh that's a pretty complex question um I think, first of all, you have to have a, a you know an, at least an average level of intelligence. Uh, you have to have a spatial recognition of different things around you and how that, that is, say, put together in the anatomy of the brain or the spinal cord. And then lastly, you have to have a set of hands that does what you want it to do, want them to do. So it's a combination of both um, intellectual and manual dexterity.
1: My brother, who's going to be with us tomorrow, had prostate cancer surgery but it was all done by the hands right the what do you what do you call those robots do you see that happening in your field
2: well it it is coming into our field it's been slower than some of the other fields but we're seeing robot uh, technology being introduced uh, mainly around the spine in very complex operations where it takes more than just uh a casual assessment of what's happening and what needs to be done to correct the problems, particularly deformity, meaning people with very bad scoliosis, curvature, things like that. And So, yes, uh, it's not making inroads like uh, the urology field or the general surgical field. We are seeing uh, other things uh, that are quite exciting, one of which is using image guidance during surgery so that we know exactly where our placement of our uh, different screws and implants are in the relationship to the spine. So we make sure and avoid those sensitive structures, the nerves, etc. The other thing that's happening, I think, is what's happening with brain imaging. We're being able to understand more clearly what part of the brain is malfunctioning uh, with things like functional MRI scans, things that can ask us not only or tell us not only about anatomy but also the function of the physiology of the, the problem. Mm.
1: Allow me this question please. I'm just the basic G. wiz question. You open up someone's head. What, what do you see? What's in, what's in our
2: heads? <laughs> well, you go through layers. Right. right, so you you take you open the scalp, then you have to remove the bone create a bone flap, and then you see the covering over the brain. it's called the dura, and it's a very thick layer uh and when you get through that, then you actually see what we classically think of as cerebral cortex or brain, you know the sulci and the gyri and the blood vessels and it it's an incredible visual effect i mean it you know every time you know you get moved by it because it's you respect that this is the center of the universe yeah. for this individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that what you're doing is going to somehow profoundly affect their life, hopefully in a positive way. Uh but you know you all, it's also the realization that it's a very critical situation and a sensitive structure that anything you do to it may have consequences.
1: And I would imagine that your typical surgery is
2: pretty long. Generally Generally, uh, you know, I think a typical brain surgery is anywhere from two to four hours. Sometimes they get longer than that, but somewhere in that range.
1: What's your secret for endurance?
2: Well, empty your bladder before you go in the <laughs> OR.
1: <laughs> number one.
2: Uh, number two, don't drink too much liquids. Um, number three, you just have to be able to position yourself comfortably at the OR table. And I think it It doesn't seem like a comfortable position, but certainly in cranial surgery, your hands are up, your eyes are directly in contact with the field uh and you just have to relax and and become part of that operation. I don't want to get too metaphysical about right. it, but
1: but I would imagine after all this time, you're pretty comfortable in the o r you oh. know
2: your way around absolutely. And one last comment on on that. You have to have a team around you that knows what your likes and dislikes are. I think that's important. Talk about that, please, your team. Okay. Well, again, you know, being in the same place 35 years practicing in San Luis Obispo has given me the ability to develop a team around me. I'm focused on Sierra Vista Regional Medical Center and that operating room crew. Many have worked with me for a decade or two or even longer. And so they know when I almost don't have to speak too often, you know, the, the classic, oh, pass me this, pass me that. Yeah, yeah. I kind of don't Suture. have to do boom, that. Boom, boom, yeah, boom. no, yeah. I kind of put on my hand and they know where I'm going next with the procedure majority of the time. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think that's an honor and a, a, a very exquisite position for me at this state in my uh, practice because it makes the day much more manageable. So you've
1: been doing this a while. How much longer? I got a lot of people listening right now. How much longer is Dr. Kissel going to be still doing this?
2: <laughs> okay. Uh that seems to be a prevalent question and uh, my, I get it
1: too. I get it too.
2: Yeah, yeah. My answer is, you know, my brain is still working, my hands are still working and uh I don't set a time on this. I mean, I think I'm helping patients uh In as as good a way as I've ever, if not better, because I can help foresee the future on their case now because of the experience.
1: Well, Chuck is texting in a book here on the Stolberger line. Hey, Chuck. All right, here we go. Uh, Back in the 70s and 80s, Dr. Williams, who Dr. Kissel just mentioned, was the most respected surgeon that I've ever heard of. The nurses that worked for him would carry a card in their wallet. And if anything happened to them, it read, consult Dr. Williams. His wife, Mrs. Williams, was operated on by Dr. Williams because she would not have anyone else do the surgery. When my daughter had a problem that was not in his field, he's the one that I went to first to find out who I should call to look at my daughter. And he gave me a name. My daughter ended up getting so serious so quickly we had to have the procedure done here, and the one doctor that he gave us, his name was in LA. That's all he says.
2: Well, Uh, well, I can comment on that. I I think, you know, we live in a small community, and we all know that, and so what happens uh, in one sphere often translates to other parts of the community, Um, and medicine, particularly surgery, cuts across many Um, avenue the many patients that have you know different um, uh, things that they're involved with in their lifetime Uh, and when you successfully operate on someone they will pass that word along which I appreciate and oftentimes they will refer family members and that sort of thing Uh, you know Dr. Williams did excellent work and he uh, did have a great reputation because he took care of people, and I learned from him. You have to listen to people, tell them if you can fix their problem or help them. If you can't, then you need to tell them that as well.
1: A uh, quick question on the Stolberg line. Do you do spinal fusions?
2: Yes. Uh, that's a standard operation that we, the neurosurgeons, do. Uh, I do I'm do. i a little more conservative on low back fusions than I am in the cervical area, and I have help from my orthopedic colleague who I've worked with for quite some time, Dr. Larry Heron, and we consult and decide whether a fusion's appropriate.
1: All right, we are in conversation with the Slow County Physician of the Year, Dr. Philip Kissel, is on this broadcast. Physician and neurosurgeon extraordinaire, been in practice on the Central Coast since 1989. we got a lot to cover, but first, news, traffic, weather, and then more of Hometown Radio. You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Always good to be in conversation with Dr. Philip Kissel. He is here in his capacity as the Slow County Physician of the Year, but he's also been a distinguished physician and neurosurgeon on the Central Coast since 1989. He's also past president of the California Association of Neurological Surgeons. He knows his stuff. If you want in on the conversation, join us. Phone lines are open. Stolberg text line is fired up, 805 Five four three eight eight three zero is the number. Put a plug in for your daughter. She sounds pretty darn impressive.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, Dave. Uh, yes, uh, my oldest daughter, who many people will have met and I hopefully are uh, engaged with, her name is Bianca Russell. She's a physician as well. Um, uh, she is uh, board certified in both pediatrics and genetics, and she practices with the UCLA group off of Broad Street here in San Luis Obispo.
1: More in here in a second. First, here's Mark in Shell Beach. Hey, Mark.
2: Hey, Dave. How are you? We're good, Mark.
0: Um, you know, I don't, am of the loss for words, I choke up often, but um, whenever I think of Dr. Kissel, he saved my life. I literally wouldn't be alive or walking or anything. Phil, if you hadn't done that, I'm so grateful to you. I can't even begin to put it in words.
1: What do you do, Mark? What can you tell us?
0: I don't mind telling you everything. It's a long story, so I'll condense it. Give us, give us a short version. In December 2005. Another doctor who was a real hack turns out did an operation on my neck that he shouldn't have done, and I got a really bad septic infection. I had what the doctors call, I uh, feel it's called a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an abscess on the spinal cord, an epidural abscess of spinal compression. All right and this other doctor tried to do another surgery that he shouldn't have done, just made it way worse, and it was a a long, dramatic event, but I wound up, up this was in Thousand Oaks, I wound up up here, really infected and, and, you know, uh, pretty close to death, as I understand it, and um, Bill was able to actually get in there and, and do the surgery, but apparently you don't, um, my understanding is you don't see it often because people that get this generally don't make it to the operating room. Um, and not only did he, he get this thing done, I mean, I, he did so without me being paraplegic or quadriplegic. And I've enjoyed a lot of life and a lot of surfing sessions since then, Bill. and I am grateful to you. I can't thank you enough.
2: Well, thanks, Mark. Uh, I do remember your case, obviously. That's a, a very unusual problem and it's very dramatic in its presentation and i'm glad again that i had the team around me that could help me put that operation together if i remember right it was done in the middle of the night trying to preserve your spinal cord function and we were able to do that and i'm i'm excited that you're enjoying life and that that we got through that difficult problem
0: together
1: yay anything else Anything else, mark
0: you know, Dave. there's a, a, a bit of an antidote when I, I, Dr. Stewart had to do some surgery on my neck to clear out the infection before Phil could do the neurosurgery to take care of that problem. And I don't remember this, but my son was there and he filled me in. So Phil comes into the room where I'm laying, he says, Hi, I'm Dr. Kissel and he's got a patent pencil and me. He says, Do you have any questions? And my question was, Will I ever surf again? And apparently Phil said, oh yeah, yeah, no problem, whatever, you'll be fine. And my son's like, dad, you're not asking about me, you're asking about surfing. Fast forward a year and a half, <laughs> Phil and I are with a group of people and we're on a surf trip in Indonesia together, if you remember that, Phil. Of course. We were sitting on a, on, in a pond with a guy mo- motoring us across a sound to a, some surf spot. And, and Phil asked me, he says, do you, do you remember the first time we met? I said, I know where you're going with it. I don't remember it, but I'm aware of it. And I asked you, would I surf again? You said, yeah, 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 no problem. And you looked at me in that ponga, one of those moments in my life, and said, I lied. I I didn't think you'd walk again. I wasn't sure you would make it through the night.
2: Wow. Is that true, Phil? That's true. I mean, I wanted to give you hope, but I really, in the bottom of my uh, thinking, was very concerned about your outcome. I'm
1: sure I remember what you said to me. Hmm. All right, Mark. (laughs) Thank you. I'm also glad to still have you with us. We go to David in Oceano. Hey, David.
3: Hi, there. Hi. Dr. Kessel, thank you a thousand times for fixing my back for me. This is back in uh, 2015. Uh, I had uh, serious back issues, and I shopped my problem around uh, from Santa Barbara to San Francisco. And uh, got song and dance, and uh, doctors wanted to put me through dog and pony shows and tests and jump through hoops. and It was just a, it was, I needed back surgery because I was in great pain, and I couldn't get forward uh, uh, forward progress with anybody I went to. The minute mm-hmm. I saw Dr. Kissel, he said, yes, See this doctor Carr and this doctor another doctor and uh, we're gonna get you in. And he he opened the the floodgates for everybody known to man uh that's in town, that's the best people around for for back surgeries. Well, thank you so come. much. Uh,
2: David, stay with us,
3: doctor? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, well, I'm glad we were able to see eye to eye, and I was able to accomplish what we needed to to keep you on your feet and uh, being productive. So uh, thank you for the feedback, and carry on.
3: Yeah, David, anything else you you. want to say? Uh, No, just uh, I'm 66 years old, and this is my second back surgery, and uh, I'm getting a lot of good use out of it. So thanks again.
1: Thank you. I wish I was 66. That's just a (laughs) problem. I wish I was 66. Bob's in San Louis on KVEC. Hi, Bob. Hi, Dave. Hi, Bob.
4: Hello, Dr. Kissel. Hi, Bob. Hello. Thank you, Dr. Kissel, for the uh, four surgeries you performed on me. Four? I, in 2003, I saw him for the first time, and uh, you know, there's been a few mentions of his uh, how he his bedside manner and how he talks to patients, and he's got my MRI up on the light board, and he's got my Ruptured vertebrae circled, and uh, I'm asking him, What's this? Uh, that's my spinal column. What's that dark spot? He goes, That's a bruise on your spinal cord. And I uh, says, You need the surgery. Uh, ignore the first two reasons. The third reason is if you have a minor trauma, like a, a little tiny whiplash, or you slip and fall in the tub, you could become paralyzed from the neck down. Oh, great. So I'm going, Okay, let's schedule. The the following year, I went in to see him again, and he sent me down to Cedar Sinai for a follow up. And the doctor that was seeing me was apparently uh, somewhat new, so he had the director of the Cedar Sinai Spinal Clinic with him. And when they decided I needed an, an, another fusion, uh, they go, You know, we can schedule that. I said, Nah, I live 200 miles north. I'm not supposed to have any sort of transportation once the surgery's performed. I would probably go back to San Luis Obispo for that. He goes, oh, silly me. Dr. Kissel's up there. He's an excellent surgeon, of course.
2: Silly me. <laughs> Doctor. Uh, thank you. Uh, I I think uh, one of the things I um, uh, enjoy or am proud of is that I have a network, meaning um, I have dealt with uh, neurosurgeons up and down the coast in our, our the Golden State, and that's Part of the reason I was able to achieve being the president of the Association of Neurologic Surgeons. But uh, having a network is so important when we live here in the Central Coast because there are things that there are other uh, neurosurgeons that may be better at handling than myself. So it's always good to get the positive feedback from those doctors that they trust me just as I trust them. Bob, what else?
4: Well, he's just uh, uh, such a gem for this area. He's, he'd be a gem no matter where he was at. But he is so humble and uh, plain spoken, and you just feel confident when you're in his presence. Here, here. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you, Bob. Very nice. 805 543 800 549 5832. For the Slow County Physician of the Year, Dr. Phil Kissel carolyn is with us on kvec hi carolyn
5: hi um hi. Dave, congratulations dr kissel thank well, you County. yeah you deserve that i just want to say i just got over i had earlier an upper gi endoscopic procedure this morning and i was sitting here resting this afternoon i was going to put in a Video tape, and I I heard your show, and I said, "Wait a minute, I'm going to have to listen to this." Yay! Because Dr. Crystal was on, yeah. And I wanted to say thank you also that um, when my mother was in 2004, she fell. I can't get it. And she fell in on Johnson Avenue. She always walked around town, and because she couldn't drive, and so she ended up at another hospital, and they sent her home and said she just had a like a what do you call it, slight concussion? Yeah. And so "Thank God she, my sister, intervened, and she went. To, otherwise, it would be worse." And so my sister that night, my mom never complained. She had a um, what do you call it? A what is it when you can't? Gosh, help me! She couldn't. Um, gosh, come on, come on! You know when she she couldn't? I'm trying to think of what it's called. Where she had a, come on, you know, where she had to go into her doctor and she was having a, where she couldn't, she, her body wasn't moving and all that, what is it called? Help me. Uh, uh,
2: coma? I don't know. Paralysis?
5: Paralysis? No, no, no. She had a, um, okay. where right. certain, she was having a, I can't think of it, but so, it was called. She Car- Carolyn, just, she was having a, right.
1: um, just jump to was the it? end. Just jump to the oh. end.
5: Right, okay, so she went to we took her to the em- emergency at Sierra Vista, and they brought her in, and um they said she had a hemorrhage that was bleeding, and so Dr. Kissel was there we hope we were hoping she could you know stay alive. she was in her seventies, but Dr. Kissel and somebody else operated on her we so, were so we were so thankful that he did, and he did have a kind manner. He came and talked to all of us kids and explained See? you know what but my mom. She wouldn't have made it. She would have been a, well, she could have made it, but she would have been in a hospital and she wouldn't be, you know, she wouldn't be able to do anything, talk or anything. So we...
2: How about that, Phil? Well, I I think you've touched on a very um, sensitive subject, obviously, for yourself and your family. And this is part of what we do in neurosurgery. We sometimes have to escort people through the final stages of their life. And I think what you're hitting upon is something that is important to me, which is to make sure that everyone in the family that is involved understands that what's being done is being done in a dignified fashion to try and help the loved one uh, if possible. But if not, then we have to have a communication about what to do to basically let nature run its course. All
1: right, Carolyn, thank you, appreciate the call. We go to Jack in San Luis. Hey, Jack.
6: Hey, Dr. Kissel. Hey, Jack. Uh, uh, broader question for Dr. Kissel. Um, do you think that people, uh, Americans in particular, are proactive enough in their own personal health?
2: Well, I mean, you know, from my point of view, I would have to say no. I mean, because, you know, let's say someone, I I'm not implicating one thing or another, but someone rides a motorcycle for their lifetime um, and they develop low back pain sometime in their 50s or 60s. And we look at their imaging and we know they've had trouble over the years. They just haven't acknowledged it. Um, you know, human beings uh, don't like to pay attention to things that represent malfunctioning in their body unless they have to. And so I see folks more closer to the end stage of the problem rather than at the initial phase of it. But so the short answer is no. Jack.
6: Oh, that was just uh I was just uh, want wanting the doctor's opinion on that. So excellent excellent segment. Excellent. Uh,
1: Jack, thanks for listening. Thanks for the question. Scott's in Santa Margarita. Hi, Scott.
6: Hey. Hi. Jack, it's uh Scott. At uh in my spine, that you and the Hayashi brothers took out. I was telling my daughter in the car the story. when So that's the guy who fixed my back. <laughs> 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 right. Eight years ago, uh like I hurt my chest, drilling some uh, stumps, and then the next morning she woke me up. She was a baby kicking me in the chest or heels. So I went and got some imaging done. They said, Oh, you took some cartilage, you're good. And then they called me back a couple hours later. Get Sierra Vista right now to the CT. There's something in your spine. Oh, jeez. Like, okay. Yeah. They go back, got the imaging, like, oh, I got a benign nurse on my dumbbell in there. So then both the Hayashi brothers thought they were going to take it out on scopes, but just couldn't get it off. So then Bill popped in, flipped me over, cracked my back open, and got it all out. And I'm still walking today.
2: Well, Scott, I I remember your case, and I'm glad you're doing great. Um, Yes, that was a challenging case for both the Hayashis and myself. But that's what uh, medicine is about.
1: It's a Blue Ribbon team. The Hayashi's in Kissel. That's
6: yeah, that impressive. was amazing. Like, yeah. And first thing when I was talking to Philip, like, I know you might want to go to Stanford or UCLA. That's totally fine if you want to do that. Like, no, I'm good. No, I'll take you in the Hayashi's any day. Okay, well, thank you for that vote of confidence.
1: Well, that's nice, Scott. Thanks for the call. On the Stolberg text line, how do we get orthopedic surgeons like Dr. Kissel here in Slow County?
2: Well, first of all, I'm not an orthopedic surgeon. I'm a neurosurgeon. Uh, we do work closely with orthopedic colleagues, but they're the ones that do hip replacements, knee replacements, things like I that. I think
1: the texture is suggesting that he or she's very impressed with you and they want some orthopedic surgeons here that are like you. I think it's meant to be a compliment oh, oh, to you. Oh, I
2: see. Well, that's how can a,
1: we get orthopedic surgeons as good as you
2: here? Well, first thing to do is talk with the established orthopedic surgeons. There's some excellent orthopedic surgeons here, and they would be able to recruit if they feel they need that help in the community. Uh, So I would start with the existing core of orthopedic surgeons in the county.
1: Is it hard to recruit doctors to come to the Central Coast?
2: Uh, That's yes. No question. Certainly primary care is very difficult.
1: What's the challenge? Why don't they want to come here? Surfing, restaurants, climate?
2: Yeah, that's all very positive, you know. But uh I think it's just difficult to uh make a living in a, at a primary care level enough that you can buy a home and settle with your family, things like that. So there are other options in in uh the rest of California which might be more enticing from a financial point of view. So I think that's the problem. Would
1: you have been able to to afford to come here if you're just a young doctor today? Uh,
2: whew, that's a good question. Um I I haven't thought about that one, but I would say, you know, 35 years ago was a different county. I mean, we're much more rural. We were. But we saw that that, rural
1: designation, don't we? We do. And that's what's. Can you explain
2: that to our listeners? Yeah. Well, there's a problem in the way uh, insurance companies, particularly Medicare, look at uh, the reimbursement of doctors for their services. And one of the things they like to do is report a county as rural, meaning it's cheaper to open an office, cheaper to have employees, uh, less expensive to own property, your house, and so therefore they feel justified in paying less reimbursement on this exact same procedure that may go on in a city fifty miles away. So that's kind of an inequity which has been out there, and it's trying it. It continually is trying to be addressed, but there's some bigger issues within the system that need to be looked at before we, you know, try and somehow magically negotiate more funds.
1: All right. We are in conversation with Dr. Philip Kissel, Slow County Physician of the Year. Just talking about neurosurgery. We're just talking. We'll come back for a short final segment right here on AM 920, FM 96.5, News Talk, KVEC. All right, we have a couple of minutes left with uh, Dr. Phil Kissel. Uh, Carolyn texted back in on the Stolberg line. She was trying to think of the word. Uh, The mother was having an aneurysm, and she had a stroke, and Dr. Kissel found that she had had an aneurysm. Mystery solved.
2: Yes. Yeah. And uh, that's not an uncommon story. Aneurysm rupture is still very high mortality rate. Um, Many times people don't make it to the emergency room. So... Um, she actually was able to come to medical attention, which is good. But
1: our medicine has approved, improved, I assume, that we're able to save people that we couldn't have saved in 1989?
2: That's absolutely true with aneurysms. Nowadays, we can do uh, procedures through the blood vessels and not have to do an open craniotomy and you know expose the brain and treat aneurysms. That's an incredible step forward, and it's helped thousands of people around this country.
1: What's a, what's a, a difficult operation for you
2: to do? Well, they're all difficult, Dave. I yeah. mean, they have their sure, own. Sure, they're all challenging,
1: but there's got to yeah. be some that are more difficult than others.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, some of the spine surgeries in the cervical spine are very complex, and uh, they have consequences, so that increases the intensity level. Uh, so I would have to say a multiple-level uh, cervical spinal surgery that entails decompression of the spinal cord infusion of the spinal, you know, by itself. Yeah. See, I'm
1: hoping that you would say before you leave, I'm really waiting for the remake of that movie, Fantastic Voyage. <laughs> Did you ever see that yes. as a kid? Yeah. I love that movie. And I've been waiting for 10 years for the remake. James Cameron was attached at one point. They uh, shrink a little ship with what, five doctors on it. And they put it inside <laughs> the guy's body because he's got like a blood clot.
2: Yeah, (laughs) right. And they got to
1: go up his bloodstream and zap it. And then one of them's a traitor.
2: Yeah. Well, we're doing that now. We're doing that now. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. And, uh, you know, we could spend another hour talking about that one.
1: Hmm. Uh, But there are still mysteries of the brain that we don't understand.
2: Oh, that's absolutely true. I think what's happened um, there's been a, a whole bunch of emphasis on researching neurologic function for different reasons. And we're finding out things that almost on a daily basis that we really didn't understand. Our concepts are getting turned over in classic biology and neurobiology uh, uh, as new papers come out and teach us about how brain cells function and more importantly, how they communicate with each other.
1: Uh, Dr. Phil Kissel, thank you so much for coming back in. Congratulations again about being the SLO County Physician of the Year. I got about 40 seconds for a final thought.
2: Well, my final thought is I'm very encouraged about medicine in San Luis Obispo. I've seen over 30 years a progression of the ability for us local physicians to deal with problems on an efficient and uh, very safe manner. Uh, the, The infrastructure around us has evolved and matured, and the physicians that now are coming into town are trained in techniques that we didn't even really understand years ago. So... I think we, we're positioned as a community uh, to have excellent medical care, and I don't see any, the future is very bright, and I don't see uh, uh, any issues that that will be bad for us.
1: Doctor, thank you so much. Off we go. News, traffic, weather, back on the other side with Michelle Doster. I'd stick around.